Welcome back to another episode of the Second City Hockey Podcast. We have the reactions from the entire staff today on the recent news of the firing of eventual Hall of Fame head coach Joel Quenville of the Chicago Blackhawks. And uh, we figured no time like the present to bring in the other two contributing writers of Second City Hockey to the podcast for their inaugural uh, you know, debut on the show here to get their thoughts, takes on this news. So with us uh, to kick things off here, I have none other than, first of all, we have uh, Shaylin Brady. Shaylin, say hi. Hello. How's it going? Uh, I'm a little sad that we're, we are clueless at the moment, but uh, <laughs> we, we're going to cover that in a minute. Um, and speaking of clueless, I mean clueless, uh, it is Nick Rogers on the other end. Happy to be here. <laughs> Are you really that happy though, Nick? No, not at all. We're sad. We're sad. Like, I'm sad. Joel Quenville's not the coach of the Blackhawks anymore. It's Quenville's been on staff since what was it? 2007, 2008. 2008, I think. Um, it's been 11 years this year. So replacing Denny Savard, which was a given thing, anyways, because Savvy was a great player and an okay interim head coach in the time being but uh, we wanted to kick the show off with some reactions from uh, from our contributing writers here um, and our staff writers again just to uh, figure out where we're at uh, with this news um, obviously not the way that people want to wake up in the mornings hearing about something as uh, as emotionally stressful as this so Nick we'll start with you bud what um what do you make of this news? What was your reaction when you found out that, uh, that the Blackhawks would no longer have uh, Quinville's mustache on staff? Well, when, let, me preface, uh, let me preface that by saying the last, time that, the last time that Joel Quinville was not the coach of the Blackhawks, I was 12. I'm 22. Oh, good God. You're such a pup. Yeah. And um, just honestly, I – I had just woken up actually to go vote because the polling place I went to opened at nine. And a boy. And all of a sudden, I just see just garbled all caps messages in a bunch of group texts. And I get a text from a couple of friends and family that said, How are you feeling? And I legit thought somebody had died. <laughs> In a way, something did die. Um, I think that I mean I was stunned. I I thought this was some. I looked. I did all the things that like Twitter fans should do, which is like look for the blue check mark and look for Mark Lazarus to tweet it. Because if Mark Lazarus hasn't tweeted it, in my book it hasn't happened. <laughs> when did, when did, when in doubt, look for Laz tweets. I like that policy. Lazar powers like. If we don't tweet it, Laz doesn't tweet it, or Powers doesn't tweet it, I'm skeptical. Until I see one of those three outlets tweet it, including ourselves, I'm skeptical of any news. But Shout yeah, to uh, John Dietz, friend of the show. <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, I was, uh, I was shocked to say the least. Shaylin, similar reaction waking up to find uh, this nonsensory that a Quenville uh, list Blackhawks team now is a thing. 
Yeah, I actually, I set my alarm for 8 to 8.30. I have to be out of bed by 8.30 latest, but I usually take like 10, 15 minutes to get out of bed. You're not alone. And I slept through, I usually sleep through until the 8.15 alarm. Hey, but okay, good effort. That's good. My, my alarm is Go Cubs Go, but my ringtone is Chelsea Dagger. So I woke up to Chelsea Dagger blaring and I was like, oh God, someone's calling me. And it's my mom. I'm like, mom, I'm up, I'm up, what's up? And she's like, go on Twitter, Coach Q is gone. And I <laughs> got out of bed. I was like, no, I gotta go. I had 37 text messages. I had oh. seven missed calls from one of my good friends down in Norma, Illinois. She was like, I'm freaking out. Is this real? What's happening? And I went on Twitter and like Nick said, I look for like the, the, the verified people to make sure that what I'm reading is right. Right. And I was like, no way. This is my, I thought my mom was pranking me. I'm like, no way. Coach Q is gone. That's ridiculous. And I went on and everyone's like, how are you? What? Oh my God. What's happening? What's happening? And like Nick said, it's like someone literally died. I was like, this is not happening. This morning is not a good way to start the day. Yeah. You both, I mean, you both are, you're hitting the nail right on the head and that leads into the next question here. Because, I mean, this Blackhawks, the Blackhawks, we have known at least since 2007 with these core players of Keith Seabrook, Kane, and Taze that these guys are the face of the franchise. And I think it's safe to say that even from when Quenville was brought on staff, that Joel Quenville was kind of the fifth member of that, uh, of that core group of guys. I mean, is it safe to say that this is almost like losing one of those four or just as impactful as losing one of those four? Absolutely. I think, I think the, the way I thought of it is I became a Blackhawks fan when Kane and Taves came up. Like I've been baseball my entire life, but once they came up, then it was kind of like, Oh, they're relevant again. Mm -hmm. And I was saying this to my dad, I have never watched. I think I started really watching in 2010. I've never watched a Blackhawks game where Joel Quenville isn't behind the bench. And that's like a very strange thing to me that now I'm not going to be able, like the camera's going to swing by the bench and it's not going to be Joel and it's not going to be Deneen and Ulf back there. Like it's going to be these young guys who, I mean, they seem pretty, pretty good and they wouldn't bring them up if they didn't think that they would be able to do a great job. But it, it, it he's a face of the franchise, essentially just not a player. Yeah. Nick. Yeah, I yeah, it's it's just surreal. I mean, it still feels surreal, honestly. I think that I think so too. And there was a kind of a point raising, you know, keep in mind, not everybody on the Blackhawks subreddit is sane at all times. But <laughs> wait, people uh, on Reddit aren't sane? No. <laughs> the uh Somebody had mentioned, I wouldn't be shocked if Kane or Taves walked in right now and demanded a trade. And while I, I wouldn't take it necessarily that far, I think that they grew up – I mean, they basically grew up with Quenville. Mm-hmm. And it's – they haven't – other than Savard, they haven't like had another coach in the NHL apart from Joel Quenville. I mean – Quenville never took any time for any personal absences or personal leaves or anything like that mm-hmm. that required an interim to step in while until he came back, apart from now. That being said, I, it's, it's part of me thinks that 
if this doesn't give a shock to their system, it, everybody's expendable. I don't know what does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was uh, following on the on the Twitter as well. Um, it was interesting to see. I know Eric Lear of, of Blackhawks TV. He was interviewing um, Kane, or at least had the uh, the video of that too, where where Kaner is even saying, you know, quote, he's going to be an icon in Chicago for the longest time. The great things he's done for this organization, winning three Stanley Cups, that'll never be forgotten. Um, it was it was really interesting too. I know um, I know Laz had it in. Um, in the interview today, as well as I want to say John Dietz, but um, talking about the uh, about Kane and that presser, he was basically saying, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it was along the lines of, you know, even Patrick Kane saying, you know, man, I feel really bad. Maybe if I was healthy for the Vancouver series and we got a win, then you know, maybe you know, if I just played and maybe we didn't go five, you know, we didn't lose five straight games and maybe Quenville's not, you know. Quinwell doesn't get fired or something like that. Like you start, you start reasoning with yourself that, you know, maybe if things were different, if the team played a little bit different, that, you know, things would be different with Quinville, but from every indication, what it sounds like, and again, this is all speculation. Nothing has been officially released yet, but I, it's, it sounds like this has been brewing for a while. Um, and between the front office specifically with Stan Bowman, um, and Quinville specifically. So, I mean, can you guys kind of talk about, you know, what you think the team is going to do now moving forward where you have a young head coach in Jeremy Colladin, where I know Brent Seabrook has played with him in juniors back in Canada. Um, I think Colladin's only there's, I think there's four guys on the team older than him. Um, you know, do you think this is a step forward? Do you think this is a step backwards as a, as a head coach? Or do you think this is more kind of, you know, Colladin's going to fill the place until we find kind of the long-term solution? Uh, let's start with uh, let's start with Nick. Okay, so kind of given the whole data process, all of this, um, I think I think what it is is I don't think Colleton has the interim tag in front of his in front of his title right now at least. Mm-hmm. What I think they're going to do is, and again, you made light of it. Was that this has been brewing for a while? I don't know if there was a definitive moment before this, but I think kind of the the crevice formed when Bowman fired Kitchen, and Quenville did not like that. They said that Joel Quenville, there have been reports that Joel Quenville was in a shouting match at one point with Bowman over firing Kitchen rather than Demean, mm-hmm. which I think that I think that's the I think that was the wrong move. I think they should have fired Kevin Demean before Mike Kitchen. But anyway, going back to the original question. I think that it's going to be kind of a wait-and-see thing because from what we've heard in Rockford, the play, players like playing for Colleton. He's a player's coach. He's a younger guy. He's not going to – I think it's still going to be a meritocracy, which is good when you have a new coach. But the thing is, is the one thing to watch in all this is if Colleton doesn't – I'm not going to say, like, drastically improve. I think if Colleton doesn't make the playoffs and he doesn't make it by a wide margin, like if they're last or even second to last in the division again this year, I think uh, Wurtz is going to tell McDonough, you need to fire your boy Bowman. Because I think if Bowman's on the chopping block and then Colleton is on the chopping block because the new GM after Bowman would want to hire his own guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shaylin? Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree what you all said. 
Um, I read I read somewhere on Twitter today that they asked Vinny Hinestroza how he felt about the whole thing, even though oh, I was playing in, in Arizona, man. and he was God, like, "Don't even do it." Oh, now I'm gonna cry. All right, I, fine, I'm fine. Go ahead. It's it was that was one of the worst trades, at least for me. I love Vinny Hinestroza, but um, it was from Catherine Silverman, and she said, "Ask Vinny Hinestroza about Jeremy Carlton getting the nod in Chicago." Great guy, knows how to get different things from different players and talk with the younger guys. Said he helped him get back, get his game back to where it should be after getting sent down last year, which I found very interesting just because Vinny is such an, like a dynamic player uh, and he's always had that skill set, but the way he was kind of praising him, like he helped me get my game back, not I got sent down, I figured it out, I got called back up. Um, and I love Coach Q, obviously. Um, he's one of the cornerstones of the franchise, but I do think that bringing in a younger guy when you are starting to get a younger team, like the core is, they're not on their way out yet, but they're getting there. They're in their thirties. They're getting a little older. Their contracts are starting to dwindle down a little bit. So getting a guy in there that kind of knows the speed of today's NHL and the the finesse that these players have, that's just absolutely ridiculous on a night to night basis. I feel like that kind of perspective is going to be fresh and it'll help the room a little bit, um, especially younger guys like Schmaltz and Debrinket, who are super quick, but, uh, and Kane too. I mean, he's older, but uh, I think having that kind of fresh perspective is going to be good for the team. But then again, all the guys that have played under coach Q for all of these years, uh, know his style of play, know what he likes to see. And it's going to be a learning curve for everyone trying to figure out how to play under Kaladin's style and under his coaching, this kind of coaching, um, I don't know the word I'm looking for here, but coaching, also coaching style. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it'll be a learning curve for everyone, but I think once we figure it out, it'll be okay. I don't expect too much. Like I'm not expecting them to suddenly make the playoffs now that they have a new head coach, but I'm expecting mm-hmm. them to have at least at least a little jolt. Like if you're trying to send a message to the room, oh my God, send a message to the room. Yeah. So hopefully they're getting that if that's what Stan and McDonough and Rocky Words are trying to send right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I- so, yeah, go for it, Nick. Can I add just one more thing? I kind of had a thought. Uh, the one thing I don't that Daniel Carcillo, of all people, brought up was that one of the assistants put under Colin is Barry Smith. A lot of people think it has a line to the front office. So a lot of people think it's going to be there's going to be some meddling involved. I mean, to that, let's just wait and see. The good news is they did not get rid of Jimmy Wade. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um, but it's gonna be it's gonna be a type of a thing where Colleton is gonna say to these you know these long established veterans, even Taves and Kane, maybe that look nothing is guaranteed now. You're gonna have to give me your best night in and night out. And I'm not saying that Taves and Kane weren't doing that. They're two mm-hmm. two of the highest scoring players on the team right now. But it's the guys like Sod who people question his motivation who he's going to go to and say, look, you know, you're not guaranteed anything right now. Mm-hmm. You're not, you don't have brownie points with Joel anymore. I'm not Joel. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely tough, at least for me too. Cause then the other one, um, the other one for me is Ulf Samuelson, which we'll, we'll touch on here a little bit later with the, with the defense and just how crucial of a, of an addition that was to, to building a, a defensive core that has honestly been the best in the league for a long time. I, not 
saying that they're the best now, but you know, again, you look at guys like Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook in their prime were fantastic. You like, you look at guys like a Nicholas Jalmerson who played on that staff that, was just a freaking he's so good the hammer was so good that was all that was all the um the due diligence and the and the effort and coaching of of a Joel Quinville and a and an Alf Samuelson so it'll be very interesting to see what happens too and in the Barry Smith comment it that is I think there's a lot to unload there with what's going on between his relationship with Scotty um Scotty Bowman and and that dynamic of you know being a a presence in the front office and you know kind of handling more things on the player development side and now he's an assistant coach which I we have a lot of questions on that and there's also a lot of questions still with um you know just what exactly his role is going to be with the team outside of being an assistant but um I know that uh I know that this still doesn't it still sucks (laughs) not gonna lie you know it's we we lost Q he's not he's not gonna coach He's not going to coach the Hawks, and I'll be damned if he ends up back in St. Louis. Good God, if anything. No, I don't. I don't think to kind of cut you off there, Brad, just to kind of bring you back to reality. I don't think he's going to go back. I don't think he's going to be spiteful enough to go back to another place that fired him and say, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm, I want to come back. I mean, I'm not saying that if St. Louis wants a reason to fire Mike Yo, I think they just got it. But I don't think Quinville mm. is going to go back to a team that's already fired him because, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, he's the blues firing Quenville is the reason we got him. I mean, mm-hmm. there's no other way to say it. They, it's going to kind of, it's, it's a circle of life in a way. And Quenville is now the fired again and the team, hopefully Seattle or, you know, Philly, somebody who the Hawks won't have to see very often. Oh, Seattle. I didn't even think of that. That's what a lot of people are saying. Paying because the Hawks still have to pay Quenville for another year, but as a result of paying that, paying him, they can block him from going places because he's still technically under contract, even though he's been relieved of his duties, mm-hmm. at least for one more year. Now let's say Seattle comes along in a year or two, mm-hmm. and Quenville says I've been contacted, I'd like to go there. Once his contract's up, he's free to go do that. If he ends up in Seattle, I don't think. But then we're going to get another Gallant narrative where all oh, they send him packing because the GM didn't like him, and now he wins a Jack Adams and Blackhawks. Stanley Cup final appearance and everything. Yeah, no, the Jack Adams yeah. is a trash award, anyways. But that's uh, that's 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 a scorching hot take for another time. But no, we did want to uh, at least close this segment of the uh, of the pod with uh, closing thoughts on Q. What you're going to miss most about him? If you've got maybe a, a favorite memory or something like that, feel free to share as well. But uh, we'll uh, we'll start with Nick since you're on a roll, bud. But uh, what are your final thoughts on uh, on on no longer having Coach Joel Quenville? Um, be in uh, be in the madhouse. I feel like my granddad just died. Um, <laughs> I know that's tragic to say, but it's. I mean, like I said, the last time jo- there, Joel Quindle was not the head coach of the Blackhawks. I was twelve years old. Mm-hmm. I was still, I you know, I was still playing t-ball, basically not t-ball, but I was still playing little league baseball, which is kicked a can. I, we're not going to go through that era of my life but uh <laughs> in the off season we'll cover that yeah the, uh 
for a story, this is not a first-hand account. This is just uh, a first-hand account of my first Blackhawks jersey. A friend of the family was going downtown Chicago and didn't have a jersey after the Hawks won the Cup in 2013. Uh, my mom gave me this – or gave my jersey to this friend, and she went downtown and was bar hopping with the Blackhawks in Quinville, allegedly. I wasn't there, so I can't confirm it. Mm-hmm. When in she, she was in the same bar as Quenville, and he was just spraying like champagne and beer just everywhere. <laughs> and it's it, the jersey doesn't fit me anymore, but I still have it because I still say that oh, you know, a bunch of Blackhawks squirted beer on this jersey. I mean, it's I would never wash that. Um, oh no, it had to be washed at some point. But, oh, don't ruin wait. my dreams. Yeah, come on, man. It, it, no, it was. It, I mean, the thing would have been rancid if I if watched. <laughs> uh, uh, dripping with character is the correct phrase we were looking for there, Nick. Um, Shaylin, any uh, any closing thoughts on uh, on on the Quinville era of uh, Chicago Blackhawks hockey? Uh, I think my favorite part about Joel Quinville is just how candid he is. Like he like he's had obviously he's had his moments where you know on the bench versus St. Louis the. The infamous uh, little gesture he did there, and well, just how do you do? Like his, just his way of speaking. He just drops all these, all these words. Like after wins, and I remember in the in the hat trick, the movie after the 2015 Cup, and he's sitting in there with all the coaches, and Duncan Keith comes in, and they're all just drunk and just loving each other. But I think my favorite, my favorite thing about Q is his Qisms, and I know a lot of people love him, but. The, I think the Blackhawks made a video years ago, uh, maybe like 2013, 2014 era time, mm. uh, explaining his cueisms and like peanut butter and crispy and calling Bickle Picklehead. And I, I, I'm allergic to peanut butter. I'm allergic to nuts. So I've never had peanut butter in my life. And I'll say that. I still say that when I'm watching games. Some guy will go top shelf like, oh, peanut butter. You're like, aren't you allergic? I'm like, no, it's peanut butter. It's top shelf. Oh, you don't, oh, you don't get it? Yeah, so that's, I think his, just his cuisms and his his dry humor and just, he's so subtle and deadpan sometimes that it was just, it was iconic. So Absolutely. I'll always remember his character and personality. Absolutely. It's still uh, epics for me did the um, the road to the uh, the Winter Classic, or maybe it was the road to the Stadium Series, whatever it was, and there's the story of the Snow Monkey, which is still... <laughs> Still one of my favorites for uh, for Quinville as well, and again, just the I I think that um, and I have to I have to do a lot more kind of soul searching slash research on this, but I believe that Joe Quinville's number three on my all time uh, on my on my Mount Rushmore of um, of coaches in Chicago. If you uh, um, if you want to you know, go and uh, go and, and, and rank the, the best coaches that the city has ever seen. Yeah, obviously you have to go with Papa Bear Hallis as number one in terms of the definitive Chicago Bears, um, you know, franchise, the development of the, uh, of the NFL, all that good stuff. Um, Phil Jackson's clearly number two with the Bulls. It's kind of hard to argue with six rings. It really is. But then after that, it gets a little cloudy. Some people would put Ditka. I'm putting Q. Yes. Here's the thing. Let's keep it like after like 1950, just for uh, Shaylin and I's sake. Oh, for, oh come on. <laughs> read a book. 
<laughs> no, no, what do you got? I think it would be I think it would be Jackson, Ditka, Q, and then kinda that's just the top three right there. Joe Madden comes in at four. As you can say, it Madden winning a World Series for the first time in 108 years kind of a thing. Um, but you put really you put Ditka ahead of Quinville? Uh, I have to do that because I will be disowned if I don't. That's okay. I can put Q up. <laughs> We're not huge football fans, but Q, Q's in my top three. I think he's number two, honestly. No, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, no. I'm definitely, definitely I think, top three. I think Q and Dinka are kind of interchangeable. It just really depends on, you know, kind of the Bears fan to Hawks fan ratio in, in a given person. Like if, if it's 50-50. Wait, 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 wait. So you say that you want to do this after 1950 just because, you know, oh, because I'm a young gun. But then you're claiming yourself to be a Bears fan. Also, I believe George Hallis won all of his uh, NFC championships after 1950. Hold on. I got to – here we go. SCH stats department going to help me out here. I got to I gotta find this. Uh – I take that back. 1921, 1933, 1940, 1941, 1946. And then I remembered you had the Ditka as a player winning in 1963 um, in the, uh, I believe that was the, what was it? The snowball is what they call that one um, yeah. in, uh, in Wrigley. But yeah, uh, I don't think you can put Ditka over Q with just one championship. He's iconic. Don't get me wrong. And that's where I could potentially sneak him in as a four if you want to I, between Hallis, Jackson, Quinville though I think those are the top three for me I, you can you can swap uh you can swap out Hallis for Ditka if you want but then that means Quinville moves up to two but uh, well we're going to continue to bicker about this in our slack chat um thank you to uh to Shailen and Nick for jumping on for the uh, to the first half of the show here we're going to uh do a brief transition um but uh real quick uh what is it uh Nick I forget your Twitter handle where can where can we find you uh, you can find me, uh, which is just my name, Nick Rogers underscore one eight. That's eighteen one eight mm-hmm. uh, on Twitter. Uh, Facebook, I'm not active, so I just won't even give that out. So <laughs> um, everybody's everybody's getting hacked on Facebook, anyways. Uh, Shaylin, your I, again, I forget your Twitter handle as well, but you are on the uh, you are on the Twitter. I am on the Twitter. I'm on the Twitter way too often, as my mom <laughs> says. She's 83 years old. She's like, get off the Twitter. Go wait, wait, wait. She's how old? 83. She follows me and like all the Chicago sports teams and then some of the athletes. She's obsessed with the Cubs. So she follows like Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, all of them. But she, she just follows the family and then the, the, the Cubs. But uh, you can okay. find me Shaylin Brady. I'll spell it for you since it's kind of hard. <laughs> S-H-A-L-Y-N Brady, B-R-A-D-Y, not like Tom Brady. Shaylin Brady 13. Um, that's my Twitter handle. Yeah, I told people in third grade that he was my uncle, and that lasted for maybe a week and a half. There it is. <laughs> there yeah. it is. Uh, so don't add her, people. But no, thank you for you uh, for your contribution, guys. We'll make sure that we uh, we have y'all back in uh, future episodes, hopefully with a happier topic to discuss. But uh, until then, little uh, little brief transition here when we'll bring on uh, the other two members of the staff right now, frickin' Frack, Dave, and Brandon. Thank you. 
And with that, we uh, we do a quick little line change here on the Second City Hockey Podcast as we welcome in America's favorite Dave Melton and uh, SCH editor extraordinaire Brandon C. Kane. Are you C. Kane? M? You're Brandon M. I'm pretty sure it's M. Yeah. He's he's live in studio with me here as well, which is uh, which is a nice little change of pace. So I just got a very dirty look from uh, from Brandon Q Kane over there. Um, no, we wanted to. Uh, uh, oh, first of all, say hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Hello. So, uh, um, how's that upper body injury? Is it still lingering, or we're uh, we're at week to week. <laughs> Uh, aren't we all i was gonna say we're all week to week at this point um especially given the news that uh, we uh so eloquently broke down in the uh, the first half of the podcast a shout out to uh to nick and to shaylin for their contribution um and uh i've brought the uh i've brought freaking frack in here to uh to talk a little Thanks. bit more about what this means uh for the hawks first of all what about the timing of this? Uh, other than it being hot shit, Dave. What like? <laughs> yeah, I mean, from from a like from like I guess from a purely hockey standpoint, I, I, I get some sense of you know it makes sense to do it when you have a a large set of days off. Like they played Saturday, they don't play again until Thursday. So from that perspective, I guess if they were gonna do it, they had to do it now because I don't think they have quite as many or any other big breaks coming up. But it's just it just feels early. Like I I don't you know I I some of the reporters mentioned it and and I think they asked uh, McDonough and Bowman about it today. But you know as recently as April at the end of last season that he they expressed their full and total confidence in Quinville, and then you know 15 games into the season he's fired and it just it you know I know that it's it's been a rough stretch of five games but I just it just it feels early. It, it feels like they didn't. Uh, they didn't give Quinville a full shake with this lineup to to get what he could out of the team to prove that he could win with this particular team, and they and they let him go. Yeah, it feels like this was coming, you know, like yeah, yeah, you know, and, and now and and the more I think about it, like that, you know, I, I everything they said in April now now I question how sincere they were about it. I feel like they were it's cracking shit, it's what you it know, is. and it's it's. The, I, they, they also t- said today, you know, it wasn't really one thing. It was kind of a cumulative effect over all the little things that Quinville did that they didn't think uh, that they didn't appreciate. I'm sure like, you know, the H- Michael Kempney going to another team and being so great and, um, and and various other players that they brought in town that they didn't like. And then, the you know, the whole thing with the uh, no one going into the penalty box for Duncan Keith on Saturday night against Calgary. But, I mean, those are – you know, th- those are very regrettable things from a Quinville perspective, but I, I still don't, I still don't see enough adding up to a fireable offense, especially for somebody with Joe Quinville's legacy, unless there's something else going on that we don't know about. It just, so, it just doesn't, it's not adding up for me. That's the whole point. Um, you know, but I guess, I guess here we are. Live in studio. I've got Brandon Kane. Brandon, you want to say something? Oh, I got lots to say. Can't wait. Here we go. All right. So. Well, that's all the time we have, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> all right. So, uh, Dave, you said that the Blackhawks played Saturday. Um, I disagree. Uh, oh, played, <laughs> but I don't know about anyone else on that damn team. That they, they, well, they played part that. of the game. I mean, they were winning. Freaking, uh, they had a 
four three one lead. Yeah, we know. Yeah, it was a three one lead. <laughs> yeah, three one lead's quite tenuous in sports these days. I hear. Uh, yeah, it's less than ideal. <laughs> okay, so fifteen games in, um, and they fire Q, right? Right. And then, as you you mentioned, like the stuff that they brought up in April, um, the thing that I really, you know, rung home with me is that back in April they said they. They didn't have any conversations about firing Q because of the injury to Hosa and one Corey Crawford. Um, so why is that different now when you have a top four defenseman in Connor Murphy on the shelf? Oh, yeah. And the guy, arguably their best defenseman last season. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we don't know how Murphy's going to bounce back from this injury. And back injuries are, you know, no joke for a defenseman because you're – you're leaning on that stick pretty hard for uh well and we were talk and we were talking about this pre-show as well but you know it's one thing especially last year so if you wanted to fire Quenville last year you you know you can't really look at you can't blame him for the host injury you can't blame him for the Crawford injury and that would you know you're kind of then creating a just a a bigger storm for, you know, of media and fans to try to fix, especially if you're, you know, John McDonough and Stan Bo trying to figure this out. But, you know, now you've got a guy like, you know, Brandon's mentioned Connor Murphy, Gustav Forsling still hasn't played on this defense yet. Um, you know, if you want to go Dylan Sakura as well is, you know, crushing it right now in Rockford, that forward is, is coming, is coming back up. I mean, the, Brandon said it, that now is like, the trade package of all trade packages. If you're, if you're Stan Bowman and John McDonough going, we're going to make the playoffs or bust, you know, like the window's not closed, which we can touch on that a little bit later, but I, I'm looking at, you know, I'm looking at Forsling and, and Sakura and that's trade bait for, you know, a hell of a pickup. Yeah. It's and and what I hadn't even thought about some of the things you guys were mentioning, like Brandon talked about with the, you know, the absence of Connor Murphy, but I think that just kind of, that, that adds even more to the thing I initially said about it. Just like this, this, the grade on this team is incomplete so far. So how do you make a decision on the, on whether or not the head coach deserves to keep his job off of an incomplete grade? And yeah, that's, and also and, with like the uh, with the Murphy injury, we don't know when that happened. So if that right. happened in late June, you know, after the draft, then you know, going into free agency, you have to pick up a defenseman because you're you're banking on Yokoharu to step up into that role. A defenseman uh, named Brandon, you know, that's yeah. a rule. Yeah. <laughs> well, I remember Murphy's injury. It was announced. Yeah, I remember they never they don't know when it happened, but. It was announced it was, it was at late the, July. It was July thirty first. Well, it was right at the start of training camp. He showed up at training camp and couldn't play. Right, that's when he got put on injury reserve. But I don't remember them. I don't remember the injury getting mentioned before then. Oh yeah, yeah, that was uh, Gustav Forsling was the yeah Forsling's the July thirty first with July. the with the wrist. Yeah, yeah. And then Murphy was the day before, two days before training camp. Thing. Something like that. Yeah. And then Murphy was the, we're going to extend it. Well, he's only going to be out six to eight weeks. Actually, he's going to be out eight weeks. Yeah. Actually, he's going to be out eight to 10. Actually, yeah. it's going to be more like 10 to 12. <laughs> yeah. So I, and I, I wonder if, Pick a lane. you know, maybe if they knew Murphy and Forsling were not going to be available, if they'd known those injuries were going to be there on May 31st, maybe they approached, for, or excuse me, I guess June 30th maybe they would have approached free agency differently if they'd known they weren't going to have two of their 
uh, expected defenseman available to play. Um, I, you know, who knows? That's, you know, that's just all we can do is speculate about that. Um, but again, I, I, I just, I'm, I'm so, I'm so confused by, by this move just cause it doesn't, didn't seem, uh, didn't seem right. Yeah, seems, seems too early. The timing doesn't make sense at no. all. Um, no. and I'm, I'm of the camp that if, again, if you're, if you were really hell bent on doing this and again, obviously, um, there's uh there's there's some Barry Smith talk happening, which um I know Dave is gonna Ugh. column about here a, a little bit later and and when people are listening to this, it's probably on the site right now, so check it out, secondcityhockey.com. Um the the fact that he was even floating along flo- ah, floating floating around the locker room um had Quenville pretty pissed and back in the day, I think, and that goes back to what was it? 2013. I thought I read it was, it was 2012. It was the, it was the 2012 season in March. I think it was right around the time the Hawks were in between two massive losing streaks. I want to say it was March 2nd, which I remember. I, I think I remember seeing the date of a story that Jay Zawoski, uh, uh, penned mm. at, around that time. And yeah. And the Hawks were in the middle of a miserable slump that season and they brought, Barry Smith out to a practice to work on the power play, which, you know, even in 2012, the Blackhawks couldn't score on the power play, but uh, they brought him out for a practice, which is, I mean, as, as a head coach, that has to be the most insulting thing that you, when your GM owner, whoever it was summons an another coach to can come into your team's practice and run your team's power play because he, you're, your owner manager effectively saying you aren't good enough at this. If any head coach with any type of uh, any type of esteem, let alone a guy like Quinville who'd won his Stanley Cup, mm. uh, I I can't believe like it could have been a fist fight and I would have been entirely on Quinville's side uh, in in that scenario. That, that's that's ridiculous that you would do that to your head coach. Yeah, it's in the middle of a dynasty, you know, again, yeah, well, how, how good those teams were. Well, but I mean, at, at that time, and I'm, I'm, I finally pulled it up at the back half of January and first half of February, they lost nine in a row that year. And I think there's a lot of speculation Quinville was going to get fired then, but that was six years ago and I can't remember. But um, like that was, you know, that was, and then that off season was the summer of, trade Patrick Kane for Ryan Miller because mm-hmm. a Patrick Kane was having his, his uh, first round of off ice issues and Corey Crawford gave up some pretty brutal goals in the playoffs that year. And nobody felt he was any good. And then half of a season lockout best Blackhawk season of all time. And then everything was okay. But, but uh, they, and then they almost went three in a row. Yeah. And then they almost went three in a row. So, and again, that's why, and, and again, the kind of going back to the initial point, like, you know, sometimes, it, it, it took some guys some time, even then. To, it took time for Quinville to put that group together. I'm not saying that this team's going to go on a 21-0-3 run like the 2013 team did because this team still can't play defense. Um, I don't know how much more any other coach, Jeremy Colleton included, is going to get out of this bunch because you look at that defense and tell me who's going to stop the puck. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Um, now, oh, yeah. And that was a point maybe, that was... Maybe, yeah, maybe they bring in... Maybe Colleton sparks the offense, and they go back to scoring six goals a night. Yeah. Here comes Lucas Carlson from Rockford. <laughs> no, um, it was – and that was another thing, too. If you, And maybe this is just a petty thought, but I, you, they, 
And again, back to Dan Carcillo on uh, on the score today, earlier today as well, uh, yesterday when you're listening to this and, and everything else too. They're talking about the moves that Bowman made and McDonough you know, oversaw in the offseason. If, again, if you knew you were getting rid of Quenville or you know, were anticipating getting rid of him at the beginning of this season in 2018, why did you go and sign Chris Kunitz? I mean, I, I understand Cam Ward – with the with the goaltending situation and honestly that was the what's what's now becoming apparent is a pretty clutch sign all things considered because of what Anton Forsberg hasn't been um obviously Colin Dealey is still in development in Rockford and then Corey being hurt the beginning of the year still trying to you know find it for finding his form coming into the into the season yeah they needed they had to have at least one more goalie exactly had to so that makes sense but with the remaining cap space that you have and ultimately, what you could package together in a couple of trades, again, with a I'm recovering Gustav Forsling or, you know, even if somebody needs a Connor Murphy of sorts, which I, again, that, would, that trade wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. But look at what they gave Quinville going into this year. You know, you can't tell me that, well, you know, oh, well, he didn't. He, he didn't perform and he didn't get his team to perform this year. What? It's like, no shit. Look what they have. They don't have anything compared to what, you know, other teams would have in Blackhawks past to, to be ordered to succeed. I mean, is this like, what's the play now? Do you think that they just immediately pack everything up and say, all right, well now it's time to go build that playoff winning team. Cause our window was still open or what's the, what's your take on that? I'll go for Brandon. You're awfully quiet. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I've been talking too much already. <laughs> Um, so I think that if they were to fire Quinville, they should have done it at the end of last season and Mm -hmm. before the trade, then it would be, you know, you're remodeling as Mm -hmm. McDonough coined, um, during the press conference before the Hosa deal, what before the Hosa deal. Yeah. Okay. So you have your complete new mindset and direction of where this team is going forward and that the, the core that you have is is on board with it. Um, not that they would speak against it because McDonough has everyone lock and tow. Um, as you know, a, a team president should, right? You would hope. <laughs> um, so if you have that mindset going in, then you are able to draft players that would work in a system that Colleton would develop and have players in, um, and then just going into free agency, you know, you know, your, your expectations are a little tampered. So you're like first year coach, 33 years old. Cause he was born in January. Like all the good people are <laughs> like myself. Um, and that's just what your, what your mindset is going into the season to where it's not one of, Oh, what the hell is this team going to look like? It's, this team's probably not going to be a playoff team and that's okay because this is this guy's first season yeah. in, in the NHL his only, only his second coaching season in North America. Right. Um, Cause he was in, in the AHL last season and then in Sweden prior to that. So, um, but he at least have a vision for right, the next yeah. two or three years down the road. Exactly. And like when you think about it, you know, two, three years, if you have those tempered expectations, which, you know, McDonough's trying to drive this one goal campaign thing that's been dead since <laughs> 2016. But um, regardless, you have, as Dave penned uh, 
the other day, the Central Division is not slowing down. Um, they're getting buried by the Avalanche's first line. Boo! <laughs> um, getting mauled by the by the top nine of Nashville. I'm out. I'm out. I'm. And they're getting jazzed yeah, by the Blues. Just, no, that's not true. The and they're getting blown away by the Jets. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I got nothing for like a, a play on words from Minnesota, but like who saw that wild start happening? That, that, was, that was a pretty good run. Insert the yeah. Simpsons technical <laughs> difficulties music here right now. I, why? No. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I'm without words. Oh. Way to stay on brand. That's one thing that we will, uh, we, we, we promise to, we, to stay on brand here, ladies and gentlemen, at Second City Hockey, regardless of who the head coach is. But, like, one more oh. point, though. I know a lot of people are calling for Bowman's head, right? Right. That's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> But if Bowman wasn't the GM, who would be the GM? <laughs> who who is who is picked to be the GM? They'll just make Barry Smith the GM. No, th- there is a certain gentleman that is now a general manager of a team <laughs> that was in line to be this this GM of the Blackhawks. Dave, do you know who that is? Are you talking about Mark Bergevin? Yes. There it is. Okay. Okay. Do you the Burge? You take away Bowman, and that's that's probably the guy that's there. Like, no, thank you. Yeah, yeah. If, At least he's not um, Torelli. I mean, I guess yeah. that's your calling card there. Peter Torelli, who I think uh, I can't remember the exact. I think Potato he's traded for traded away four of the top twenty-five goal scorers of the last five seasons, like, or maybe only three. Is Taylor Hall, Hall, Kessel, and Sagan or three of the top points or goal scorers of this decade, and he's traded away three of them. And he just like... That's an incredibly, incredibly terrible streak of GMing. Probably not a good streak. But he did draft Evan Bruchard, and he played his like stint to not burn his contract at the beginning of the year, and then they sent him to the London Knights, which is great for us, because that means Adam Boquist is probably going to be in the Memorial Cup and probably playing a long time with the Knights and not going to burn the that... uh that year not from that first year yeah so i'm okay with that oh Oh, man so it's just it's just weird this is this is that that's the the one word i keep coming back to today it's so weird like joel quinville's not the blackhawks coach and i i think you you mentioned shaylin and nick had talked about this with them being slightly younger than uh, myself and brandon are probably closer to you in age brad but like that's the only that's really (laughs) it's not it's not i'm just stating facts brad I believe, actually, I think Mr. Kane and myself are the same age. Oh, really? I uh, believe so. Yeah, I, I turned 28 on uh, Winter Classic Day. There it is. And I'm, I'm the same age uh, a week before St. Patrick's Day. And I, and I am not. So, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it's, it's, so, like, it's, it's so weird. Like, um, the Chris Kunitz of Second City yeah, Hockey. Yeah. And, and, and the chemo well, teaming in. <laughs> yeah. How's your hover uh, round? <laughs> broken (laughs) but it's it kind of goes back to something that i i think is going to be up at a a post at second city hockey as well it just kind of reminds you of how no matter how successful you are in pro sports no matter how good of a run you have it's going to end that none of this is able to last which is the most frustrating part like i i i don't know how you how you guys dealt with this but like the uh (laughs) 
Well, and, and you're going to experience this. Like, Cubs fans are going to experience this because at some point Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo and all those guys won't be on the Cubs anymore. You like, I remember going to your the, mouth. Near the, near the end, it was, you know, the very beginning of this decade when, when Brian Urlacher retired and Lance Briggs left and Charles Tillman left and all those guys that made the mid-2000s Bears so much fun to watch. And then Lovey Smith got fired and Devin Hester went to Atlanta and all these guys that you've watched for so long and you've had so much fun watching them play. And then it's just over. And, and like with all those other, all those other instances, I think there's a lot of writing on the wall. Many of the moves you saw coming and the Quinville one just so sudden, like I, I'm going to be so confused for at least half of the, the game Thursday night, not seeing Joel Quinville behind the bench. And that's just going to be such a weird thing to wrap my head around. And when he gets a job, somebody somewhere else, cause he's going to, cause he's a great coach. You think he will? NHL, oh, absolutely. It's the NHL. It, Quinville, Quinville can name his name his price at about half the teams in the league right now. I'm sm- like it's the <laughs> ultimate good old boys club, and a guy with three cups is the goodest of the good old boys. So, right. like to before Brad jumps in on this, uh, nah. just to uh, kind of put into context, like how long Joel has been the Blackhawks oh, head coach. I, I always enjoy these. These are there fun. has been here we go more than twenty Chicago coaches. <laughs> oh yes, the entire you know the city landscape. You're you're including the Chicago Fire and the Chicago Sky. How many blue Stanley Cups are, are that, Brandon? Donuts. Zero. Oh, got it. Okay, thank mm, you. Donuts. Um, so mm. I I tried I tried to tweet this and I and I butchered it and then I tried again and I butchered it again. <laughs> but it's it's out there on the Twitter sphere. So there's so there's um this is. This is a list, you know, without the current coaches, okay, that have been hired. There's Del Negro, Key, Galos Cobos, Quaid, Guillen, Smith, Swaim, Clopas, Renteria, Tressman, Thibodeau, Yallop. God, God, he was bad. <laughs> Bliss, Ventura, Chapman. Yeah. Chapman. Um, Fox and Stocks. And, like, the Red Stars have never fired their head coach because they actually know what the hell they're doing. Um <clears throat> And then you have, you know, the, the current coaches um, across the city. But just going through that list when I was trying to find, like, that information because I was, you know, had, like, 20 minutes of breathing of not typing today. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> just going through that, I was just like, oh, man, that tenure really sucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, like all these, all these failed options that uh, that all the are all the failed choices that all the other teams in Chicago have made over the course of Quenville's career. And yeah, and that's not even including like the two three games that Cooper was the manager of the White Sox. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so so it's like you go through that and you're just like, you just get this greater appreciation to the stability that not only the Blackhawks have, but that they had with Quenville behind the bench, and there was no like. Oh, this is terrible! Like this coach doesn't know what they're doing. You kind of looked into the the longer range aspect of it, and maybe that is, and that's the other thing about being a Blackhawks fan that brought the city back to hockey too. I, I mean, this is, and and this is actually a. I'll transition into this. This is a a conversation we we had in part one. Um, is on the Mount Rushmore of, of head coaches in the city of Chicago. 
Quenville's a solid number. He's a solid lock for number three, in my opinion. You got to go. You got to go. George Hallis, number one, um, in all-time Chicago sports coaches. I, you know, Papa Bear Hallis, we're a Bear City. That's pretty obvious. And then number two, it's Phil Jackson. It's hard to argue with six rings. After that, it's got to be Quinville because, uh, first of all, three championships brought hockey back to the city of Chicago. Again, the dynasty um, until last season had made the playoffs every year he was the coach. Um, the only other name after Quinville is or the the name after Quinville is where it gets interesting. Some people want to put Joe Madden in there now because it's kind of hard to argue with a you know, championship yeah. in 108 years. Uh, other people want to put Ditka in there. Um, Get the fuck out. Which, <laughs> Jobbers! Oh, yeah. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, we're just so leaving some room for Matt and Nagy, my friends. <laughs> no, no, just, okay. So I'm glad you brought this up because in, of course, this is when the computer lags, you know, um, Shout out to last last June the internet in my apartment. Um, last June the I mean Chicago the Tribune had a panel that ranked um, Chicago coaches Ooh. one through four, and I'll go ten to one on this list from what they had. So number ten they had Al Lopez, fine, Fielder Jones, okay, Charlie Grimm, still a lot of who. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be honest. Dave, Dave, you like this next guy? Ozzy Guillen. Yeah. Wait, Ozzy at I mean, he, he, he did oh, one. Wait, Ozzy at six? No, Ozzy at seven. Ozzy at six, seven? He's, six he's, is Joe Madden. Hey, the White Sox had 88. Joe Madden is six. Who's five? Ditka. Four? Frank Chance. Oh, for God's sakes. I have no idea who Frank Chance is. What? Dave. Is this the Chicago Fire coach or no. manager? No. Is this, is this a black? I sorry. This is the Cubs manager in the early. Okay. Okay. I feel vindicated because it's the Cubs manager, and I've never been a. Okay. Coach. So. <sighs> okay. Uh, Quinville is ranked number three. Three. They have Hallis at two, and they have Jackson at ja- one. Jackson at one. That's yeah. that is fair. The only reason why I put Hallis first, I mean, from a fan standpoint, is because we're a Bear City first and foremost. I. That's yeah. As long as the Chicago, uh, Chicago and, and, Bears. I mean, and Hallis is credited with founding the NFL, so I feel like that. I know that's not related to his coaching acumen, but I feel like that's in some consideration he's, as well. So yeah, no, he's so one was, championship yeah. short of Phil Jackson. I believe he has five. One, two, three. Yep. Uh, no, he has six. He's got he's got uh, 1921, 1933, 1940, 41, 46, and 1963 and, with the and, tight end Ditka on a raster. And I guess the good question, the good argument there would be what was more what who had the lower degree of difficulty of winning an NFL title in all those decades you mentioned when they barely had any teams in the league, mm-hmm. or Phil Jackson coaching some of the best talent that's ever been assembled on a team in basketball history, but that's a not this podcast, but that's that, that would no. be an interesting debate. Hey, we and, ranked Chicago defenses last episode, yeah, so that's right. it's only yeah. fitting. Yeah. I do. Well, and, and you know what? And, and he never won a championship, but I've, I'll be impressed if you guys can name the winningest coach in Blackhawks history. Cause he hasn't, he had a coach in the sixties and seventies. And I may not have known his name off the top of my head until I looked it up. Were you alive back then, Dave? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. I'm 31. 
three, <laughs> three years older than you guys. But let me tell you what it was like in BC times. <laughs> yeah, before Kane. <laughs> oh, God. I'm always living in BC time. What are you talking I about? I hate all of you. Yeah, that's Brandon Kane time right there. Um, what, what, I actually don't know. If, if, Billy Ray. I think it's how you say it. Billy Ray, R-E-A-Y. Yeah, he, he was number 13 five. on this Tribune list. Really? I feel like he should be higher. But, eh, oh well. I'm still... Tommy Gorman and Bill Stewart didn't make the cut. They were the coaches of the yeah. teams in the 30s. No, I was going to say. Also, no love for Tommy Shaughnessy. Whatever. <laughs> so, next. And anyways, <laughs> yeah, and only one coach i believe in blackhawks history to win the uh the jack adams mm-hmm. yeah i mean i i think joe was, he's he's obviously the most accomplished coach in blackhawks history i don't think there's any debate for that and where he ranks ranks in the chicago pantheon um i i think yeah behind phil jackson phil jackson's probably uh, jackson and house are probably the only two objections i'll listen to uh, as being on top, on um, being ranked above Quinville. I think oh, yeah. locked in at number three seems like a pretty good spot for him. Mm-hmm. But it's just an iconic coach as well. And then the other point, again, mentioned a little earlier that we can briefly touch on here too. It, losing Quinville is like losing a core player. I mean, again, when you think the Chicago Blackhawks, you think of the core four mm-hmm. and Quinville, you know? Like, well, yeah, I mean, the, the mustache. Like, that's, that, that was such a part of the shtick of the team for the last decade. Uh, I mean the it, it spawned like so many jokes the the great Twitter account like there's there's so many things that have been spawned because of Joel Quinville's mustache all the ridiculous things that he said and all all the quotes he got from him over the years and um, I, I still the the lasting image of Joel Quinville's time in Chicago will be him in uh he was in Boston after they won the second cup he's in the locker room he's his uh. You know, suit jackets off. He's got the white shirt already doused in beer. It's almost like a wet t-shirt contest in the Blackhawks locker room. And he's just drunkenly waving the cup over his head, kind of dancing, a huge cigar in his mouth. The players are dousing him in beer. That image is like the entire embodiment of this whole area for me. Is that was just, it's just those guys are having as much, I'm, I think I had almost as much fun over this last decade as those guys were having in that picture. In that gift. <laughs> Which is a perfect time to uh, plug our, our good friend Mark Lazarus's book, If These Walls Could Talk, uh, which does have a lot of good stories. And, and if you and if you dig deep into the Second City Hockey archives, there's a and A with Mark Lazarus about said book. Just gonna say, yeah, this, this oh, is sorry, an outstanding sorry, little Q&A. No, I, no, very good, uh, Brandon. You look like you want to say something. Yeah. So going off of uh, Dave, what you just said, I think there was you know some talk on Twitter of when you look at this era, there's probably two statues that are going to be created, right? There's going to be the one of Kane and Taves hoisting the cup in 2015. That was supposed to be the, the EA sports uh, cover. Right. For some reasons was changed. Yeah. I think, uh, we had, yeah. Yeah. Reason, re- reasons. Yeah. Certain allegations. Yeah. So, um, so that'll be one. And then the other one, Q gets a statue, right? Like you would think, right? Uh, well, I feel like we're getting pretty statue crazy in uh, in sports these days. So I, I would maybe but they you put go, him. Like my thought is though, if you do a statue with Q, everyone is saying do the crotch grab. 
They're not. Let's <laughs> <gonna> be, <laughs> be real, people. Leave it on no, the bench it's, too. It's, it's like, gotta, no, it's got to be the scowl, the Q scowl from behind the bench. But okay, so that's got to be like the, that's what I was thinking. The Q scowl. Yeah. But the crap you out of you like so you know like where like Pippin has like the awkward like bust thing that's in the UC, right? Yeah. Why not just do that right there? But like at the other end, or you know something. Yeah. Well, I I I mean I think they will somehow. Like Phil Jackson has a banner at the United Center, right? Just as coach on yeah. it. Yes. Yeah. Like he's Quinville's going to get something of that nature for himself as well. But you know, just, if they do a banner retire, for him, they damn well as better have his mustache on that banner. <laughs> They'll just retire the letter Q from the alphabet. They won't. They won't let oh, anything yes, else please. in the building. Probably none Actually, of the concessions. I want that like a script Q. I don't want a normal Q. I want a script. Absolutely. Yeah, I was going to say, the, the Bulls have retired officially uh, Phil Jackson, Johnny Red Kerr, and Jerry Krause's names into the rafters of the United Center, all on banners due to um, either coach, general management, or business manager slash, uh, slash broadcaster. Again, Johnny Red Kerr. Um, the Hawks have not done that yet. Um, They've basically retired every, uh, similar to being statue happy, the, the Hawks being very retired number happy. You think the Hawks are retired number happy? Oh, yeah, I was about, to, I was about to jump in. Yeah, the, the Bears have retired 20 Which, if you, like, if you ever want to like complain about retiring numbers or whatever, head over to Windy City Gridiron, check out Jack Silverstein, right? I, I believe so. Or is it Silverton? Yeah. I think it's Silverstein, which is one of those names where it's like, how do you, um, you know, put your pronunciation on the last name? Steinstein delivered. It's bears. Um, yeah, no, it's. Uh... But yeah, a great team historian <laughs> on on a site that we uh, we have frequented in the last two months, and yeah. we hope you do as well. Our good friends over there. Um, Love you, Robert. Um, yeah, and it's easier in hockey because you don't have 53 rostered players, so you don't have as many people to honor. But, yeah, the, correct. Bear, the, bear, the Bears' issues with retiring numbers, like they're, they're literally running out of numbers for players. Mm-hmm. Break out the decimal points. Um, so the last kind of wrapping this all up is, so I, there's <laughs> Q, Q's gone, can't really do anything about that moving forward except bring in a new head coach and it's not an interim head coach in walks one jeremy colladin which i know uh the three of us have some familiarity with from last season in the calder cup playoffs covering rockford and even the beginning of the season as well this is a head coach of he's what 35 33 no. he's 33 uh <laughs> and currently younger than Chris Kunitz, Duncan Keith, Cam Ward, and Corey Crawford. Um, but he is older than Dave Melton. Just want to throw that out there. That is, that is true. America's he's favorite. like two months older than Brent Seabrook, but they played on the same junior team. Exactly. Yeah, that, yeah, that find by, I don't know who found that on the internet today, but that was a great find. There was, oh, um, I think it was actually, uh, uh, what's it? Uh, Hockey Canada or whatever, the Canadian National uh post or whatever it is uh hold on i gotta find that, but like colleton man he just looks like he's a sophomore in college like that is <laughs> yeah. coming from someone who has a super baby face himself without a beard but i, I will say though like and, and brad brady kind of talked about this from our, our coverage of the we got to be around the ice hogs a little bit in the postseason last year mm. uh, 
I, I don't know if you guys got the sense at all, but there's like the way that Colleton carries himself and the way like he, the way he just uh, handles interviews and everything. There's just, there's, there's a good feeling about if you, if you talk to him and you were a fan of a team after you would walk away from that conversation thinking, I I'm confident. I'm feeling good about that guy. My team being in that guy's hands. Like there's, he carries himself. Well, he just, he, he gives off this vibe, this, this confidence, this, this vibe of, uh, I know what I'm doing. I'm not a total moron. I'm not going to run this thing into the ground. I don't know what that's going to, if that's going to translate to the NHL level. I have no idea what that's going to mean for his long-term prospects with the Blackhawks, but I feel like they, there might be something there with Colleton. I'm not, uh, the replacement, I, I really don't have any qualms about who they uh, used to replace Glenn Bolton. Whether or not they should have done it, we've already discussed. But I actually kind of like that they gave the job to Colleton because, I, uh, as I said, I, I've, there's a good feeling about him. So putting a bow on all of this, because uh, this, this has been a lot. On Election Day of all days, um, this has been a lot. Um, Jeremy Colleton. Now your head coach of the Chicago Blackhawks. Gentlemen, what do we think of, uh, of coach C and his, uh, and, and the roster that he has to deal with in this next month? I mean, are we expecting major turnarounds? Are we expecting him to just kind of keep the boat afloat? We'll start with uh, Brandon Kane, who is now curled up in the fetal position on the floor of the studio. Well, uh, Jeremy Colleton's initials are JC, but he is not Jesus Christ, and he's not the savior of this team. So I don't, I don't expect much change. I have no words. I, I don't expect I, much change because of that, you know, the waiting thing on uh, Connor Murphy and Gustav Forsling. And everyone's mentioning Carl Dahlstrom, but don't be surprised if you see Blake Hillman be floated around. Yes. And brought up. Because yes. I think, like, I – Dave and I will attest to this. We are big fans of one Dennis Gilbert. Oh, yes. Yes, sir. The the former uh, Chicago Steel and Notre Dame product. But if you want a guy who's ready at that level of of Dahlstrom, Hillman is is the other one. Um, So I'm not – you know, at the beginning of the season, I said that the Blackhawks would miss the playoffs by, you know, like that that five-point range. Mm -hmm. And – that's still what I see. Um, and with a new head coach, I think it'll be less of like, oh, are they going to get to the playoffs? Are they going to get to the playoffs? And it's just going to be like, maybe it'll be fun in the spring. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe. Um, I, it's not going to be like what we're experiencing now with the Bears. I'm not saying it's going to be like that excitement where you're like, oh, yeah, things are turning around. This is the opposite of things turning around. Oh, yeah. This oh, yeah. is. This is things, you know, going up and down. Kind it's, of. It's, yeah. You're going to have those, like, 3-1 wins kind of deal. And then you're going to have those, like... Don't say 3-1 after, <laughs> after what happened last week. And then you're going to have, like, a, you know, a 6-3 loss. <laughs> you know, you'll, you'll have a couple of those. Um, all I want is when November 14th happens. And that game is at the United Center. I want them to blow the fucking doors off St. Louis. <laughs> if Colleton does that, he is my number one guy. Oh, there we go. There we go. Because, you know, I went to school down in Quincy, and I've got a load of friends 
that are Blues fans, and every single one of them was blowing up my phone, and they're like, so are they going to have a Quinville tribute when he comes back, you know, behind the bench of the, the opposing team on November 14th? No chance in hell. I don't see him going back to St. Louis. And he won't be back in St. Louis. And you think that Quinville, as a 60-year-old man who you think is set in his ways, as you ripped him while he was in Chicago, is going to lead the Blues to a cup? No one's ever going to do that. Let's be real, folks. No. So, <clears throat> Colleton could lose the games, and, you know, this losing streak could continue, and then they beat the piss out of the Blues, and they'd be <laughs> totally okay with <laughs> if, oh, they, if they do that double swing, you know, where the Bears win and the Blackhawks win play that Sunday, that would be delightful as well. I'd be okay Ooh. with that. Um, I do know that Carolina is on the bad side of the PDO for the league. So one of the most unluckiest teams along with Vegas. Um, so that, that might play into favor. And also, you know, your first game with a new head coach. So maybe they do one of those like, you know, play for the coach situation. Um, I'm just kind of playing this, you know, month by month now and seeing what we can shake out uh, with uh, Murphy Watch is what I'm on. Yep. Um, I'm not saying he's going to be like a Norse Trophy defenseman. Don't, Don't get that twisted. I am just excited to see what this guy does when he gets back. And if it is to the level that one uh, Gus Bus had, then we are in for some fun on that route. So, um, yeah, as uh, one Joel Quinville would say, we'll see. Dave Melton. Well, uh, kind of building up what Brandon said, I think you're going to see – Next week or so. I, I think you're going to kind of see the what played out in the first month of the season for the Blackhawks play out again. I, it seems like, historically speaking, whenever a team fires their head coach in the middle of a season, it, uh, you know, it, it wakes some guys up. It, it leads to some uh, – might break some guys out of some doldrums that they were going through early in the season. And So I think you're going to see the Hawks you know, win you know, three or four, four or six, something like that. I think you're going to see a good stretch of play. And then the uh, – the, the emotion from that win will probably die down just a little bit or from that, uh, from the coaching stage will, will die down a little bit. Maybe they'll falter a little bit and uh, drop a few, maybe two, three in a row here. So that'll probably put us right around uh, late November, early December. And I think after that, after that emotional, um, the, the emotional roller coaster of a coaching change completely wears off. I think that's where you're going to see uh exactly what type of coach Colleton's going to be. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think the, the first, the next three weeks or so are going to be just kind of, you know, feeling out the new, the, the coaches feeling out the players, players feeling out the new coaches, and just kind of um, just seeing how it all is going to mesh together. There's probably going to be a slightly different system installed from Colleton. So that's going to be an adjustment for everyone. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I have no idea what, what the hell is going to look like. I think there's going to be some wins coming. There's going to be some losses after that. And then uh, I think when we get to December, which has historically been a very good month for the Hawks, I think then we're going to get a really good idea about this team. And I think the biggest thing to watch with Colleton, I think he's going to have a good rep with a lot of the younger guys, uh, specifically any of the ones that he coached down in Rockford. 
Um, I, I think he's got uh, he's got a pretty good rep with all those guys because of everything they accomplished last season. It's just the the big thing for him is going to be how he he meshes with the Taves, the Canes, the Keys, the Seabrooks. I mean, you know, he was a teammate of Seabrooks, so maybe that's one. I think Duncan Keith might be a hard nut to crack because he just seems like Duncan Keith just always gives off this kind of era of he just doesn't give a shit. He's mm-hmm. just gonna. I, he just wants to go play hockey. And he doesn't give a shit. And if he thinks the new coach is an idiot. He's not really going to do anything. Uh, he's, he's not really going to give much uh, thought to what Colleton says. So uh, you always got to get Keith to buy in, all the, you know, the Kunitz and all the other older guys to buy in. I think that will be the biggest task for Colleton. But uh, we'll see. I, 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 again, I, I think the next few weeks will be another roller coaster ride. And then December, I think we'll really start to see uh, what we've got. And hopefully at some point that includes a, uh, a, a healthy Connor Murphy back in the lineup. And then uh, we'll see if this team's going to be playoff uh, playoff bound or not. I think they're on the fringe. At the start of the year, I had them. Uh, I, I picked them to be the last wild card team in. I, I, I can still see a road to that. Um, and we'll uh, we'll see if they get there come April. So let me just uh, chime in, Brad, here before uh, you get going. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> one thing that I really noticed with the quotes that players were were giving and stuff uh, when they were asked about the firing is. No one really seemed sad that Quinville was leaving, if that makes sense. There was no like, oh, this is bad. Like, Quinville is such a good guy to me kind of situation of the current players. There were yeah. lots of former players that came out and expressed, you know, a personal story or something like that. For the current players, there wasn't really that. It was more of like, I could have done more to change the situation. So maybe it's one of those things where it's like, man, I've been listening to this guy for 10 years. And sometimes, you know, you're in a job for 10 years. You just want to hear someone else. Right. You know, you just want exactly. a new direction, you know. So maybe it's that they're not like <laughs> completely um, like mad about the, the mm-hmm. change or anything like that. It's just like, hey, a, a new voice is not always a bad thing. Yeah, so, it's, um, yeah it's, it's, it's just that way. Yeah, it's like it seems like it's the it's the wake up call, and that's why, like he talked about guys realizing that maybe, you know, I think Kane said, "I I wish I was healthy in Vancouver because maybe if I play better in that game, Quinville doesn't get fired." Mm, like like yeah. things like and that, then, and then then like Sod said, maybe if I you know something like if I, I you know I didn't hit those posts or if Taves had kept scoring after his little lull there for a little bit. So yeah, I mean I think that could, I I, I think that's part of the thing the things they said like that is part of the reason why I think you're going to see a little spike here in, uh, in victories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you look at the schedule here, the first six games are against Carolina at Philly at Carolina against that team from down South. <laughs> oh my God. At home. Love it. Love it. Uh, at home against Los Angeles, who also fired their coach this week. After a 4-1 beatdown of Columbus, which that's very surprising as well. And then they have the uh, the Minnesota game on the 18th. So those are six games. And if you look at it, you got to beat L.A. <clears throat> I mean, that, that looks like a win. And I would say at least one of those Carolina games. And I feel like Minnesota probably cools down a bit. Um, and as I said earlier, the, the blowing the doors off, St. Louis would be delightful. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if we see a 3-3 three three stretch there or 
something in, in a positive direction. And then the back half of the month you go to Washington. Then you go down for the, the Florida back to back at Tampa Bay and at sunrise. And then you come home, play Vegas, and then you head north of the border to play the jets. Yeah. That is not a friendly stretch. No. No, no yeah. They, they, if they're going to get some points, they better stock up really soon because they run into a pretty murderous schedule uh, later this month and in December. And I, I just pulled up uh, back in 2008 when they fired Savard to hire Clenville. The Hawks started 1-2-1. One, one. They actually fired Savard after he won a game 4-1 to one against the Coyotes. And then they, the Clenville's debut, they lost in the shootout to the Blues, but then they won six of their next eight games. So there, there you go. go. Yeah. So they won with Quinville. They won six of nine games. Six. Oh. <laughs> nice. All right. All right, Brad, go. Go Very, on your <laughs> very, very good. No, I'm going to. Yeah, get us out of here before we say anything else. I was going to say, I'm putting a bow on all of this. It, again, watching Colladin and, and being around the, around the locker room last year in the, in the playoffs and everything else, again, very, very emotionally sound coach. Um, does have a does have a good passion for the game, and I think he does he does kind of fit the let's call it the the Joe Quinville you know coaching tree description sort of a thing, um, a la Matt Nagy does with the Andy Reid coaching tree. But um, I it'll be really interesting. I'm I'm not so much interested about what Colladin does with this team. I'm more interested to see what Stanbo and John McDonough do with this team because they seem to believe that this team is like the window is still open, which if it is, you can't honestly tell me that this is the roster that you think makes the playoffs. You can't, you know, well, no. it, well if, if the roster that makes the playoff is Connor Murphy and Gustav forcing on it. Right. I would, I would think, and then maybe one more piece on the third line, but who is that piece? Dylan Sakura. Do you? I was gonna say, do you move up a Sakura or <laughs> oh, I, do you yeah, I, somebody else? Or you I'm know? sure. I'm sure there's some other Rockford players coming up with Colleton on a Wednesday morning or Wednesday or Thursday. There's got to be somebody else coming up. So I my my eyes are more on what that what this does to the lineup, not necessarily what this does to the coaching. Oh, excuse me, coaching staff, but what this does to the uh, what this does to the lineup. So and and again, I. I'm a big fan of uh, – we're big Chicago Cubs fans here. And uh, between uh, between one Brandon Cannon and myself, if you haven't read the Cubs way that uh, Verducci put together, he talks about Theo Epstein and staying in a position for eight to ten years. And after the eighth year, you should probably look to move somewhere else. And it, this is where I understand needing to move Joe Quinville. I don't necessarily agree with when they moved him. Um, I thought this was definitely something to do at the end of the uh, do it at the end of the season last year or at the end of the season this year. Um, but uh, it uh, it stinks, but it kind of needed to happen. I just wish it was done a little more better than how it was. But um, as Dave and I have learned our lesson, we're not going to make any points predictions because of what happened last <laughs> week. Um, so uh, again, go Hawks, blow the doors off the blues. Um, and uh, anything else you can get along the way will be great. And uh, yeah, I think, I think in terms of season expectations, we, um, 
season in terms of season expectations, I think we now take a look at this month of November and we watch extra closely to see what this uh, what this eventually turns into. So, um, as we wrap things up here, we wanted to uh, wanted to make some uh, some people aware. As you may have seen on Twitter or on the website, we have the T-shirts. Uh, we uh, we did through the great people over at uh, Breaking Tea. Uh, we did a neat little uh, homage to Joe Quinville. Uh, there's a nice T-shirt, uh, a Thank Q T-shirt, available on the website. Again, check it out on the link on secondcityhockey.com. There's a post on Twitter. You can see what they look like. Um, we're probably going to do some giveaways with these as well, so stay tuned with uh, with that and take a look and see how you can get one of your very own uh, Thank Q t-shirts um there's also a, a marion hosa one in there as well if you're uh, shopping around for the uh you know for the holiday season that's coming up and coming around so um but on behalf of uh the the staff and second city hockey again first of all thank you to to nick and shaylin for your contribution and the beginning of the show um thanks to uh to these two knuckleheads that have joined me on Woo! the second half of the show and, uh, yeah, that was, uh, Brandon Kane, our, uh, fearless leader and, uh, trying to do my best Mike Gundy impression. <laughs> <laughs> well, I for rat's ass about Twitter. <laughs> I'm a man. I'm 40. Um, that's, that's, uh, that's, uh, America's favorite, uh, Dave Melton, which, uh, I voted for you, Dave. I tried to pen you in, in the, in the ballots today on election. All right, day. That, that makes one of us. All right. So, uh, but where can, uh, where can we find everybody? Brandon, what's your, uh, what's your Twitter? All lowercase Brandon M Kane. And that's C A I N something that I will spell for the rest of my life because no one knows how to spell my last name. C A N E. Duh. Uh, Dave. <laughs> Uh, underscore Dave Melton, M E L T O N, and uh, always bringing the under and underscore to you. Hey, we got to make that underscore America's fave, F A V, Dave Melton. Um, and I'm TCR Brad. Uh, again, check us out, secondcityhockey.com. Thank you for the, uh, for the comments in the comment section. Again, we love y'all. Keep up the, uh, keep up the feedback. We will keep providing. All of the A plus quality uh, SB Nation Chicago Blackhawks material for you. And uh, until next week, um, if it's going to be like it was last week, hold on to your hats because we're not sure what's going to come next. But uh, we do know that we'll have an episode to talk about it for you. So until then, Second City Hockey Podcast, thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next week.